I'm Tariq, also known as Tito Jones Jr. Like you're really fucking weird. But on that note, I'm Rayan. I'm Joe Pietro, and technically, I'm not here against my will. Welcome to Voda 2020. <laughs> Welcome. We're a bunch of unemployed schmucks who decide to start a podcast. We'll be sitting with Lebanese characters from all walks of life. Reggie. On this episode of Fauda, we sat down with Yasmina Hilal, a photographer who has been documenting the aftermath of the Beirut explosion. We spoke about her experience during the bomb and how she used her passion for photography as a coping mechanism. Her time abroad helped shape her personality and artistic expression towards experimentalism. We then delve into our toxic relationship with Lebanon and the importance of artistic voices raising awareness. As mental health here is also a very big taboo. You're in a toxic relationship with your country, you know? There was a kid I photographed and he was so excited. He was like, yes, take a photo of me. Tell my story. Okay, I feel like everyone should at least take a year away from where they were born. My friends, when I first went to the States, a few of them were like, what's Lebanon? I remember when the bomb happened, and if I'm not mistaken, you posted on Instagram either a story or a post where it was the flat that you were in. Was it your grandmother's flat or your flat? I just saw the destruction. It was actually my cousin's house, and all the windows broke, and the chandelier f- fell, so everything on the floor was broken. So we were like cleaning up for like an hour, all the like glass on the floor. But um, I was actually at my friend's house in Badaru, and um, we were recording a song because I am um, into music as well. Talented musician, yeah. Thank you. Um, and we were actually sitting outside in the balcony and talking a bit. And we were talking about anxiety and trauma because we actually both have that. And so we were thinking of ways of like how to cope with anxiety and trauma. And I told him something that like I haven't told anyone before. And I f- told him that I felt like I was going to die very soon for an unknown reason, but there's like this gloom above me that's been there for a while. And he told me like, what if today, I'm not gonna say who or how, but an explosion happened. What would you do in that moment? I said, I would be so scared. Like I wouldn't know how to react. And with these things, you realize there's either fear or you think practically. So when we were sitting, we went back into the room, had lunch and we were talking. So we felt the first wave happen. I know with my head, I was like, okay, think practically, what is this? And since I've lived in LA before, I knew that it was an earthquake. So I grabbed him and we went underneath like a a hallway because it's the best thing to do or underneath a table, both work. Um, And then the second wave came and it was so, so strong that the whole like fixture of glass fell exactly where we were sitting. So if we were sitting right there, we would have, I don't know, God knows. I think there were many um, stories that I've heard and almost everyone that I know to a certain degree got um, lucky. But I I, I don't even want to keep thinking like that. You know what I mean? Like we got so lucky, we got so lucky. We shouldn't have even been lucky because this shouldn't have happened. It's it's crazy that something like this can can even happen. But going back to what you kind of said, 
and the mentality you had right before it hit. Are you in general quite a paranoid person? I am a very paranoid person. Okay. I have a lot of like anxiety in me and like I have to be comfortable in my surroundings before like doing anything. So I'm always in my head. But at that moment, I really don't know how I was thinking practically. I've never had that happen to me ever. Like when you're in the moment, you're either like freaking out or you're like curious and you go and walk up to the glass and see to see what's happening or you literally think of ways to hide. Yeah, I think that that happened to us as well. Like it's so weird because both Ryan and myself were also quite anxious people and we tend to overthink stuff. But in the heat of the moment, we just, it was weird. We just reacted without even thinking. The first thing we did was just get up and get the fuck out of the no, house. We were, we were freaked out, but yeah. uh, where your brain and the logical side is saying, okay, this is a really dangerous situation. You might die right now. And because we didn't have any information going in and we were all displaced, that's kind of the first thought that hit. But internally, you know how you get that crunching, anxious that feel when, in you're your in a, when you're in a dangerous situation? Yeah. We d I didn't get that. And I think we spoke to you about this and, and you didn't get I, that I as got well. it when we got to your house. So when, every, when all the chaos happened and when that chaos was finally over, you know, sometimes when you get very anxious, you get this pressing feeling on your chest. Your yeah. chest presses really hard. The moment we just sat down in your, in your house and watched, started watching the TV, my chest out of the blue just pressed like it was. I'd mm -hmm. never felt a tightness that Like hard. a, a blot on your yeah, chest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was, I was like, holy That shit. happens when you're extremely yeah, like stressed yeah. or anxious. It's happened to me a few times, but to that extent, and then I realized in my head because I was thinking, when we were running down the stairs, I was thinking to myself, oh, I'm, I might die. Like there, there is a high possibility that, because I didn't even know what it was. I was tell people I thought it was a terrorist attack in the beginning. So I thought that something really bad could have happened. And in my head, I'm just like, God, I, I can't even predict what's going to happen within the next five seconds. So that in itself was very stressful. I feel like no one knew what was going to happen after that, you know. Man, the next five minutes where you're calling your friends and family to see if they're alive. If they're okay. And now it's like the new thing is just to go like, hey, how are you? Are your Is your family okay? Are you okay? Even up till now. Yeah, Even yeah, that's now. what I'm saying. And, yeah. you know, it's so sad to think that, you know, the first thing you had to do was check if they're alive, like to call everyone, to call your friends, to call strangers that you barely know, to just check and make sure they're okay. And this is our new reality, which yeah. sucks, you know? Yeah. yeah, it shouldn't even be that way, as we always say. In anyone's lifetime, they should never have to, and I hope for anyone's sake they don't have to call up friends and family and say are you alive are you okay um but uh i i think kind of going forward and i've been a critic of of talking because usually i'm quite reserved i know you're quite reserved as well but i think talking to people like literally going to friends even people you don't know that well checking up and going through the trauma together because when you compartmentalize and you do it alone it's a it's thousand times hard. worse you know what i mean yeah. and are you, are you trying to to do that or are you just kind yeah of i like made a post about like the idea of um, trauma and ptsd and um, before that there's this thing called survivor's guilt as well it's like when you feel like why am i still alive and you have that haunting in you um so it's important to know like it's nobody's fault and you know, this is this is life and this is how things happen. Like you're alive, not for like any reason, but you're here, you know. Um, and I have my fair share of like post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, and what happens is it doesn't appear like immediately. 
it appears in the long run sometimes. So maybe even after a month's time of what happened, nothing's going to happen. But it appears when you're like, you have really bad dreams, you wake up um, feeling anxious. Sleep disorders. Yeah. yeah. And that actually happened to me, I think last week, um, I was sleeping and I woke up from a dream about the explosion. My heart was racing. I felt dizzy. And um, again, like you said, there was this block on my chest and I couldn't breathe. And it's so important to talk about this. This was like at three in the morning. And like, thankfully, I had friends in the States. So I literally called them up and they told me to like raise my legs up, which is one of the things you should do if you ever have a panic attack is to raise your legs up so that the blood flow can come from. So you lie down and you raise. your Yes, exactly. And you take breathers from like five seconds and then in and out five. Um, And it's important to like call someone when this happens, because Sometimes you feel like you're dying when you have a panic attack and you really don't know what your surrounding is. I even like had um, numbness from my hands and my toes as well. So it's it's really, really tough to like go through. And this is something that people are going to go through later on. And it's important to be able to talk about it because mental health here is also a, taboo. a very taboo. big taboo yeah. where you people don't seek help for it. And it's very, very important to do so because it's going to affect you in the long run, whether it's like mentally, physically, you might lose friends, you might gain friends, you know what I mean? It just makes you also a bit more, I feel, when you keep all your emotions bottled up inside and you don't talk about it and you're shy to talk about it and your mind could be racing through a million different ideas and if you keep it all bottled up, as you said, in the long run, you're going to start becoming angrier, more frustrated and as you said, you might lose friends because of that because you might unrationally just start venting all of that frustration and anger towards the people that you're closest to. And indirectly. Gonna, indirectly. And people are not going to understand the reason. You, might, you yourself might not even re- realize the reason as to why you're venting out your frustration. But going back to what you were saying about you going through a lot of moments where you were really anxious after the whole incident happened, what really fascinated me about you was that I didn't even know that you were going through that. And at the same time, I just through social media, I saw that you were out there after everything happened and you were basically basically able to let your creativity your creative mind take control and you were trying to inspire people through your creativity and i was just fascinated as to how were you able to do that with all of that mental you, go, you going through that mental challenge as well um so how, how are you inspired so basically right after the explosion my house got like severely damaged so i had to go up to the north and stay at like my relative's home for two days In those two days, I was urging myself I needed to be back down here. And the first day I went was like this third day, I think. And I was just walking around and like seeing and observing everything. And it's important to see it in your eyes. I personally am not a documentary photographer. I'm a fashion photographer or or a mixed media artist. And this is what I do. But when you have a platform or when you have, not saying like I'm talented, but when you have a talent in you or anything that you're good at, Use it to your advantage. Use it to people's advantage, you know? There are stories that need to be told. And it has affected me so much because I've been going down there every other day, documenting, interviewing, getting people's stories, seeing how much they need help. It is so hard to come back home after all that and be happy and be okay, you know? You see these things. Even though you're not... I wasn't physically damaged... I'm mentally damaged, you know, and that's something that I think a lot of people are going through. 
And to see just volunteers help out, like they're using their abilities to put into good use. And I'm using my abilities to put in good use. And by like telling people stories, I was able to get NPR, which is like a news publication to like publish yeah, the photos. Yeah, very big in the West. In, in news yeah, and yeah. personally, I've never been published in a news. Yeah, like, I saw that. Yeah, at all. So it was just very surprising. It was a it was a new experience for me to be like a, a photojournalist because you have to kind of be numb in a way and be just there to get the story, get everything. But you, I, I personally couldn't. Like, it was very hard for me. I would come back home and cry, like, from what I saw and, and the people that have been, like, displaced. And I really want to applaud all the other, like, female photographers that have been just stepping it up and, like, shooting from the uh, protest to, like, people's displaced homes, um, people's emotions, like, people on the streets. And they're going every single day because... Our stories need to be told. They need to be shared. Like, I don't have a, a big following, let's say, on Instagram. Um, but I'm trying to, like, just push out people's stories. So at least I have a few friends in the States who can share the work. And, like, I have also, like, links on each, like, photo to kind of give people that, like, trusted NGO that you can donate to. And I've been really targeting different um, demographics from the queer community to like people that lived on this area, people who got injured but don't live there, people's offices. So it's really important to like be able to get everything and not only just one demographic. What I wanted to know is when you're going down there and as we were describing at photojournalism, how do you select your, I want to be careful with the word, but your muse, your, your how do you select the people that you wanted to photograph? Because your photographs were mainly focused on people. They were people-centered. Mm -hmm. okay. So before anything, like I went the first day and photographed, and that kind of got a lot of people's attention. And that's how I got the NPR um, project the night of. So that was the fourth day, maybe. Um, and they kind of gave me rules and restrictions. Like I had to stay in a six feet like away. So if, if you can see, my photos are very... Um, environmental portraits which is like you're just taking a person in their environment um i really had to like wear goggles and a helmet and just be super super careful because a lot of the buildings are still like tumbling and it was honestly just me walking around like i found this guy who was downstairs he was so injured and i was like can i please take a photo of you in your home and he said yes and we went i went up to his home his home is like so beautiful it's like a blue like and is right in front of um the electricity de liban but like it's so destroyed as well and he just sat there where i took a photo of him and he said this is where i was during the blast and it was just so powerful you know and it's sometimes you have to also reach out to people like go like hey can i photograph you i saw what happened to you so it's it's really a mix of being on the field as well as connecting with people to try to get like their stories. I also went to um Mistashfal Room, St. George Medical yeah, University. That, was that yeah. place got destroyed and the stories that were told there, like I managed to interview a few people and they had to evacuate like 150 patients out and they lost nurses, they lost doctors, they lost patients, they lost fathers, they lost mothers. Um, and of course they lost 
all the equipment needed for it to keep going. And with COVID happening, yeah. it's just it's it came crazy. at the worst possible time. It, it came really at the worst did. possible time, and that's very interesting because you've sat down. I'm sure over the past few days and few weeks, you've sat down with a wide variety of people and you've heard all of the stories. I feel, I guess, how, how was like from their perspective? How did you feel they were feeling inside in terms of from an emotional perspective? So I think a lot of people that I walked up to, they really wanted to be photographed for the sake of, hey, tell my story. I want this government to go, you know, I don't want to keep going into details, but they, there was a kid I photographed and he was so excited. He was like, yes, take a photo of me, tell my story because it's so important to like just get that out there. They feel like a sense of, okay, I'm talking to someone, you know? It wasn't only me just like, hey, can I take your photo? I sat down, I talked to them, I asked them what they do, where, like, do they live here? Who do they live with? I met a woman, her name was um, Fatin, and it was like the first day that I went and we talked a bit and she showed me her house and I photographed and I posted it and all of a sudden she like followed me a few days ago and she's like, hey, I need a home. I need a place to find. And I had to like post on my story like, hey, this woman is in dire need of a home for her and her daughter. So if you if anyone knows how I can help, please let me know. So I got tons of messages, people wanting to help, you know, and that's the beauty behind like right now behind social media is because these people that live there, they probably don't know what Instagram is or how to use it. You know, there's a lot of NGOs and orgs that are posting onto their Instagram, but it's kind of hard to like find the residents that you need that have been displaced over Instagram. So it's just really about like word of mouth. So that story helped her find another home so that and was her herself she wasn't an active social media user no no yeah. she's like in her late 60s 70s has medical problems is in need of a home that's the power with photography though uh and and also with social media is that one kind of um powerful um, strong image can essentially help and change a person's life so this woman needs a home this person needs needs uh, you know security and safety at the most critical moment in their lives and that one picture allowed them access to that and it's it's that's why i kind of applaud people like you because there's different ways to help there's uh, you know donating money there's uh, donating resources there's going down yourself and helping uh, clean and helping people move and and being on ground but there's also the side where if you are artistically talented if you're creative in a certain if way you're creative in a certain way you should tap into that because while that might not be moving bricks off of houses and stones off of houses and, and or giving people food it's just as impactful if not even more so so that's why i would encourage anyone who has any artistic talent or creative talent to keep persevering and, and like going even if that. you're a musician you can create a song for the sake of that you Joe, know, are, like you, are you listening <laughs> dude i'm actually working on things okay good good <laughs> if I shape up be, joe if i wasn't here right now yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um she but she later on asked me to like remove her photo for personal reasons yeah. which is totally yeah. understandable especially in the time where you're like struggling you know and you don't want to show too much of that which is something i'm totally fine with you know it's important to listen to these victims and see what they need instead of what i need because it's really not me it's it's them from my end, 
following you throughout, not just now, but in general. I've known you for a long time. And I remember you were really into photography from a very early age. And I've just realized with time, especially after you moved to the States, you lived in Boston for a while, if I'm not mistaken. And now you're, you're living in Los Angeles with COVID. Now you've been in Lebanon for a while. What I realized about your photography and your artistic skill is that you really like, you really have a Middle Eastern side to a lot of the shoots that you po- that you take. But at the same time, you also have this unique side of your of your skill set, which is very experimental. I don't know if I'm wording it right. You're right. Yeah, but it's very experimental. And I was always interested as to if you stayed in Lebanon and with the whole stigma behind the Middle East and people in, Leb- in Lebanon particularly could be very judgmental or not as open to accepting change or new ideas. Do you think that you would have tapped into that experimental side of your photography? Good if you, if you didn't go to Los Angeles. Yeah. 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 Los Angeles, not Boston. Yeah. Or? In general, if you didn't move the up west. the West. Okay, yeah. I feel like everyone should at least take a year away from where they were born. Regardless if it's Lebanon, if it's the States, if the it's world. London. Yeah. It's important to like understand who you are and grow to learn different cultures, to learn different environments because... If not, then you're restricting you're restricting yourself, you know. And it was important for me to like get away, have a fresh start, um, meet new people, understand independence, because I think that's something that's very troubling here, is especially with girls, you know. It's um, they're always with their like parents, or I don't want to stigmatize and just say like oh like all girls um, are like that, but a lot of our society is based on that, and it was important for me to like go away, get two jobs, work, go study, and like learn to be an adult at a young age. And I think that helps with also like experimenting and opening doors for myself to like create. And I didn't want to hold like, I didn't want to close myself off to like doing stuff, especially in photography with like nudity and like, like females and stuff. And I feel like a lot of men here approach me and they're like why do you shoot naked women what's your what's your point are you a lesbian <laughs> oh instantly yeah wait here they tell you that yes. i'm shocked uh, they, they don't get it on that's so surprising i'm not surprised Actually, I'm, I'm i've got to it you know? by the way um so it's like eh, you know what you kind of have to do your own thing and if anyone hates it then any anyone hates it you know and you're gonna get critique anywhere you go and it's important to you know take it in and throw it out if you want to um so i've just been i'm very very happy and thankful that i got this opportunity to leave but i'm also very thankful that i'm here now because this is when we all need to be here you know um and it's important for me to always add my middle eastern aspects to it because this is my heritage this is my world so i'm trying to mix kind of like the westernized field with like middle eastern to give it a different like unique mm-hmm. unique blend. perspective yeah. Yeah. yeah i think the timing worked well for you right because <laughs> you were you were going but you went to boston for you for university Correct. right and then we worked in los angeles and stuff and i think those years were kind of critical years to any boy or girl, especially girl, because it's you're at the height of your insecurity and yet you're also trying to pursue something that's creative and it's who you are. So like you said, you feel like you kind of had to move even if it's for a year just to kind of discover who you are and, and how you tap into that creativity. I feel like if there's a chance that if you stayed here, 
due to the societal pressure and and people talking shit in general because people you love being to at that age shit. where you're a bit insecure as well and sensitive yeah. it might have prohibited that yeah i don't think i would be who i am today mm. in that sense i wouldn't be as like flamboyant or like you know full of tattoos or whatever it is it's just like it's helped me express myself not only physically but mentally as well um But I feel like there's a lot of people here too that have this aspect to them that they're, they know who they are. Maybe it's because they also have a different home abroad, you know? And I think it's, again, it's very important to like leave your comfort zone. And also surround yourself with like-minded people. If you're going to be surrounding yourself, even if people are staying here, for instance, if they don't have the capabilities of moving abroad, but they're able to surround themselves with people that are as progressive, I won't say maybe progressive, but like-minded then if they have people around them who are going to make them feel comfortable, who are going to support them if they're trying to experiment with new concepts, not just in photography, but in any form of life, they want to experiment with some type of things, having like-minded people could really help motivate you and make you feel to a certain extent because that age in particular, in your early 20s, late teens, as Ryan was saying, you're a bit insecure. You not necessarily afraid, but you might be, especially in this society, the way we're brought up, you're afraid of getting made fun of or belittled. And from my perspective, at least, I was similar to you. I feel if I didn't move to the UK after I graduated from high school, I would have been a totally different person. Going there allowed me to express myself better. It allowed me to not think too much about what I want to say and not really care about people's judgment. As long as I am happy and doing what I'm like, then... Who cares about that? I think, I that, think that, that happened to you as well. Of course. I think it happens to all of us. Um, I mean, we're all super insecure. I, I, if somebody tells me I never went through any form of insecurity, <laughs> I'd be like, respectfully, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> On the contrary, if somebody said that, I'd feel they're the most They insecure. are exactly they're insecure, insecure. for I, sure. I also want to add to that. Like, I went and I was the only Lebanese kid in my school. You know, I didn't have any, like, Arab friends whatsoever. I went to, like, a art school, liberal arts you know, super open and stuff. Um, I think there was one person who was graduating that year when I went in, so I didn't really talk to them as much, but um, it's important to also, like, go into different cultures. Like, a lot of my friends were Asian, a lot of my friends were um, American, some of them were Jamaican, so it's important to have, like, different cultures to understand and, like, learn from others. It makes you more others. diversified as a person Absolutely. Well. I think sticking to your I'm own tolerant. community in a different country doesn't make you learn more... I agree. I mean, I saw uh, we both saw that a bit because we were went to university in London and we saw London is like that. The Lo- London is Lebanese. Like <laughs> London, London is, is L- London. London is Beirut. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, we, it's we, literally that. When, when I first moved to London, one of the first things my family told me is like, "Listen, we're not telling you totally disregard Lebanese people, but don't go." to London with the mentality that I'm just going to surround myself with, with my Lebanese. friends and not just Lebanese but Arab people in general branch out meet people from South America meet people from all around Europe meet people yeah, from Africa yeah because sometimes you're never going to get Asia. this experience exactly. of that like little part of your freedom you know you're still studying you're still going out and, and you're university you're meeting everyone like in these cosmopolitan cities like Boston like Los Angeles like London when you're studying in universities you have people from all different cultures that are there at the same time with the same mentality that we are in We they just want to go there trying to gain exposure to different cultures and that's what's pretty cool about it because i always compare university to school so when you're starting like let's say you move to a new school you're always going to be that new kid on the block everybody else uh, is has their own social cliques or in university more or less everybody's in the same ballpark as you everybody wants to go there to meet people 
Yeah. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I know I came here after college and I spent like a year, but I still didn't feel like I belonged here. So I was longing to leave again. And going to LA was very hard. I couch surfed for six months. I was like jobless. I went two days before I decided to go. Like I booked a ticket two days on a whim and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go. I'm going to try my luck. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But it was kind of worth the risk and it wasn't at the same time. Um, in LA, especially with the arts community and the film community and photography, which is what I do, it's very saturated. So you coming here from here and you're kind of established, you go there and you're like an insect. You're nothing. It's a pretty big risk. Yeah, so you have to start from like the bottom again. And it's like a staircase where it's like age doesn't matter. It's like you have to keep working hard and like doing it. So it taught me like LA is work your butt off to pay the bills, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I don't know if that's what I want exactly. I don't feel like I know what I want, but it helped me know that I don't want that. Yeah. So coming here has been like, oh, nice, relaxing, but also not at the same time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not at the same relaxing time. Relaxing is, is an interesting word. It it's started off as relaxing because yeah. I was like with my family. I was like, oh, okay, this is good. Like Corona, thanks. I'm here with my family <laughs> resting. I'm never going to get this break. And then this happens. But you're obviously extremely perseverant because I don't, I, you traveled halfway across the world. You couch surfed, like you said, and you were trying to go into a saturated industry. And, and it's a creative industry where it's kind of who you are being put into your work. So, of course, it's very insecure if, if things aren't going well. And you, despite all of that, still took the leap, which is, I mean, honestly, I, don't, I wouldn't do it. Honest, just because I know myself, I don't think I'm that strong, to be honest with you. So, so that's really great that you did that. But going back to coming to Lebanon. I came here by mistake, by the way. I had a gig in Dubai <laughs> for okay. a project. They flew me out from the States to Dubai. And once I arrived, it was for Art Dubai. Once I arrived, the day of, they're like, I'm sorry, it's cancelled because of Corona. Which month was that? Which this month was, was March. March, okay. So then I was like, okay, do I go back to... Because we didn't know what Corona was exactly, you know? Do I go back to couch surfing? Or do do I I, no, back? I had a house oh, and sorry, everything, sorry, sorry. yeah. Um, do I go back to California and like risk the fact that I might get COVID? Or do I come here, which is a much shorter flight? So I was like, okay, I'm going to come here. I came here. Two days later, the state closes for 30 days. The airport closes here. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I'm stuck oh, Thank you, universe. <laughs> oh, but honestly, thank you, universe, because I'm happy to be here. You know, when you feel it in your gut, you're like, I need to be here. What is it, though? Because I, 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 I feel the same I thing. Mean, and, I'm and, having and that exact same. And I it's, don't know. We, we sh Logic. I, I can tell you what it is. Tell it's me. Fucking delusion. <laughs> from growing up in this place. Oh. Yeah, yeah, but it's something that like you're in a toxic relationship with your country. You know, you're like, I need That's to go, exactly but I need to come. That's exactly how. No, but different. This person is so bad for me, but at the same time, I can't. Yeah. It, you can't. It's so weird because like ever since I moved to the UK for university and then started living there, I was always being I would no way come back to Lebanon yeah, yeah, same. Yeah, yeah, same. yeah and I was always like oh maybe I'd come back here when I'm 50 or something like that and then this like an opportunity came here with the podcast and I've been coming back and for some reason even after all the shit that just happened I'm like yeah. I want to as you said there's this weird feeling everyone's that I like asking me like when are you gonna leave like same, when are you gonna leave same. I'm like I need to be here now same, I need same. to be here regardless of like 
safety and stuff. I just have it in me that I need to be here for some reason. And there's this guilty conscience if you leave, you're like, oh, I'm leaving and stuff. And people tell me, you're investing in your future if you leave. And it's it's understandable and it's right. And it's like, don't be, don't think that you're being selfish if you leave. But at the same time, I'm still in this um, mindset of like, processing what just happened and I don't know if I have the ability to just leave my country and say okay I'm going you know even though today you showed me the video of the amount of people that are in the airport a lot of people are leaving and you know what I I, I really don't blame them no you can't on the contrary they're, they're logical if you can leave you leave yeah. because Especially if you're it's like not a selfish it's not selfish. of course not you're a family with young kids, kids that you want them to go through a proper educational system like let's face it when we were in school it wasn't as bad as this. Like it was a bit unstable every now and then, but nowhere near. Not just this. What happened throughout the course of this entire year? I know people that were doing their final years of high school and yeah, they didn't go to school for the whole year. Man. The last, the last few years in this country have been a joke, man. Like a bad one, even. Like it's like one bad thing after the other yeah. after the other. Con- we constantly. can't catch a break. No. And with all that being said, so you yourself, you're a photographer, and you like to capture, I guess beautiful moments or beautiful scenery from your perspective and not really not really no oh. not so beautiful no no not be- dark okay. demented dark. Dark. Uh-huh. no no guys no, it's, just it's like art something just, that just, just something you just like to capture the something moment. That, something that resonates with you i won't say I you'd like to capture the moment the way that you feel suits you i'm not saying it's a good a good moment or a bad moment a beautiful yeah, is wrong. just as is. yeah just want to capture the perfect moment in your eyes and being as i said you like that middle eastern culture you like to infuse that middle eastern culture into photography have you had a lot of these cases where while you're in lebanon where you you see these great moments that you just like to capture like um i was thinking of working on a project but i haven't like during corona i was like oh i really want to photograph the swimmers down there at like five in the morning and that's something i really wanted to do but never had the chance and i think that's something that I really want to explore later, but I have never, I'm not a photographer who like goes on the streets and takes photos of the beauty and stuff. Mm-hmm. I like fix my, like I fix a shoot, I fix a project, I'm, I have a model, I have a makeup artist, I have hair, I have stylist. So I've been really shooting a lot during Corona yeah. and I've been working on this project with a friend who lives in New York where we were mixing film photography with 3D art, but of course that's been like stopped because of this, but and most of the shots I've done were here, and it's where I feel the most inspired. I've never felt this way in any other place except for here. Why is that, though? Why, why do you think... I mean, obviously, there's the uh, patriotism and being in your country and, and being around family, but what do you think there's something that's more to the source of, of that feeling? I think the, the arts community here is growing, like, exponentially. Hell, I don't know where it is or how it's going, but... There are so many creatives here that I've never met or gave the energy to try to meet. And I think that's what inspired me. It's just take, like getting out of my comfort zone and saying, hey, I want to meet you and take a photo of you or I want to work with you. And it's led me to do more, you know? And there are some spaces here. There are some like areas that are like so worth taking photos of because you don't see these, you know? Like let's say finish a big every road you go there's something new like it's it's just about these like delicate stuff and new stuff 
new or old yani but you know you see unique pieces in the streets that you're like oh i want to shoot here you know there's a lot there's a, there's a lot of talent in every sector i mean you're talking about the art industry but this country the, the number one thing to create a good prosperous country that you need is human capital i keep saying this and lebanon has an abundance of human capital like you look in the west and all over the world and the things that Lebanese people are doing, it's crazy. It's mental when you think of it. They've uprooted from their communities and they've created businesses. They've become successful in the art industry, tech, you name it. So uh, despite being the biggest pessimist, I know that we have the people. I know that we have the right caliber to take the country going forward. Geographically, we're placed Geographically, in a perfect position. Perfect position between Europe and Asia. Either, and <laughs> either, either the perfect position or, or the, the worst perfect position. Or the worst <laughs> position. I, I think it's leading towards the worst yeah, position that's right true. now. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to be the optimist here, even though I'm usually the pessimist. But I think it's not nice to say that the bomb was a turning point and it kind of had to happen. I don't agree. But I think it is a catalyst, and I think people are fed up, people are done, and despite being a huge pessimist, I think there is going to be change, and I think it is coming, and it might not be a pretty road, it might take a really long time, it might take a really long time, for sure, but I think it's, it's coming. I, I personally feel, especially as Yasmina said, the growth, especially in this decade, from like 2010 until 2020, the growth of the exponential growth of creative talent in this country is insane. And how do you guys, for instance, feel you could use creativity in order to help this country moving forward and recover from this? I feel like you're right on every point, but there's way more to it than just creativity. I feel like it's a part that the whole community or the whole country has to work on, you know? Um, but don't you think creativity can help inspire the country? It can, but it yeah. doesn't change people's minds. That's the thing. Like, it can do a lot, but Kemen, it can do so little. But you know, like, I've seen, I've seen films and songs and books that have shaped more opinions than any conversation. I agree with you, but when you are with people that are very, again, restricted to their beliefs it's very different but it's it's hard it's going to take time but i think using our abilities again um and the creativeness that we have to make a point to tell a story um will help a lot and i that's why i'm here that's why i feel like i still need to be here and just use my abilities in any way i can you know honestly because that's i was talking to my mom the other day and she was telling me that some people are born to fight. Some people are born warriors, you know? Like, if they want to, to, to practice change, that's how they will do it. Other, bo other people are born to do nothing, you know? Some of them just exist. And other people are born to think, to inspire ideas of, so, that, so that basically change comes from an ideology rather than from an action. And most, most often, more often than not, this action is violent, you know? So as artists and creatives, our job is more towards the thinking side because we can, if, if we don't come up with a solution, at least we can have some kind of coping mechanism, you know, or an, or an output or something that people can relate to and either, I don't know, maybe if your point is to make people feel sad and that's what's good for them, let it be. If it's, if it's happiness, if it's cheer, if it's whatever, you know, that's the whole point of the art and the creative thing. And I feel like feel. It, it helps people abroad understand, you know, I think that's more of where we are at the moment is that like 
all the art and the films and the videos and the photos and the songs and everything that we're doing is for people to understand from the outside what, what is going 100%. on on the inside. Have, have you guys ever had situations, both of you, where your music or your pictures change somebody's perception about something? You mean in the Middle East? In the general, in general. I don't... I don't I don't know how uh, how considerable you want to you want to have that, but like for, but like I know I know people who have come to me telling me that I've opened their eyes to a new genre of music which they would not usually go for, yeah. you know. That's that's my extent of what I can answer to that question, you know. But I'm sure with with photography, because for example, photography is a is a visual art. You know, you don't listen to photography; you you watch it, and seeing. Seeing is believing, bro, yeah. you know? So when you show someone pictures of the victims of Beirut or everything, it, it really, really connects. In fact, so yeah, yeah, like my friends, when I first went to the States, a few of them were like, what's Lebanon? What is mm. this, you know? And then just documenting these, they're already like sharing the posts that like I'm putting and they're also reading. They're like putting their insights because the States, they're very, I don't want to say ignorant, but... You can say. <laughs> can I say that? Uh, sure. Not why ignorant. Not? No they're crazy. In French, they're they won't understand. How do you say it? Ignorant. Oh. Ignorant. Oh, Joseph. <laughs> Joseph Pietro. But um, what I mean is, they're very closed off to what's happening in around, their own yeah, country because the world, yeah. they also have very deep, uh, like rooted problems. However, there is more that's happening abroad, and this is what I've been always talking to them about, but they've never really grasp the idea of it until they saw these stories and these photos until this blast happened that people are like hey are you okay like how are you feeling i get calls every week messages like do you need us what's up like how can we donate how can we give you know and it's again it's a very important way to like communicate to the outside i get people still who are shocked when i say that we have Christians in the country yeah. you know really? it's, it's, it's a massive shock to them in the West like oh wait what, but you're in the Middle East how is that feasible Christians are even, I mean I say our president has to be Christian or you even know, it's being even able the, to drink or even, even being, being able, able to, to drink. drink they're shocked that we have bars and pubs and I think one of the reasons or why even we, drink on the streets <laughs> it, exactly it's, it's more relaxed than over there if anything but uh, one of the reasons why we even did this podcast is obviously to fuck around enjoy ourselves talk to some cool people do all of that kind of bullshit but we also wanted to show people in the West that, look, we have accomplished people. We have people who go through insecurity like you do, who go through anxiety like you do. Uh, we grew up and, and we had kind of adolescent fuck-ups just like any other kid in the West. We have and, exposure. Like and we have successful it. people, yeah. smart people, people who are changing industries, people who've become CEOs, and all from this tiny little Dots. shitty country, <laughs> which we love. <laughs> which we love. So one of the main reasons we did this was to expose the good side and and the crazy amount of talent that this country has um so yeah i think anyone with with any semblance of a platform or artistic talent please continue to help because lebanon let's face it needs all the help it can get yeah i've been getting like people sending me from abroad they're like thank you for documenting i know it's hard but like thank you like that's Awesome. And even like I message other like photographers here. I'm like, keep doing it. Keep documenting. Keep getting whatever you can. Just show the world what we're going through, you know? 100%. Thank you very much. Thank you for uh, having we me. We loved having you on. Yeah, great, Thanks, great, guys. Great and, uh, for anyone who hasn't seen your photography, please check it out. Check it out. We'll yeah. put your Instagram and everything. Oh, awesome. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to this episode. Please make sure to like, follow, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Anrami, Spotify, Instagram, Facebook, and I'm a sellout. Thank you.